0: Are you awake to the woke? You better be. Right now, we have a ruling class that is deciding who can say what, who gets capital, but yet these same people can't tell us what a woman is. The dictates from the Davos crowd may be ridiculous and incomprehensible, but they rule much of society. Why is that? Because the money that is upstream of corporate action, they decide the rules. At Strive, we see things differently. We're a new asset manager that seeks to restore the voices of everyday Americans in corporate America. Our aim is to depoliticize business. Let politicians handle politics. Let culture warriors fight the culture battles. Let's just get business back to the business of doing business. And while I'm new to Strive, because Strive itself is brand new, I'm not new to this mission. Prior to Strive, I spent more than 12 years as a conservative shareholder activist. I was fighting against woke capitalism long before Ross Duhout invented the term. And a close cousin of woke capitalism, of course, ESG. Today we're asking you if this is evil, stupidity, or grift. It's probably all three, by the way. But ESG is very hard to define. That's a feature, not a bug. To me, I define ESG a little differently than Alex. I define it as whatever a left-wing interest group is trying to achieve societally by using big business as the vehicle. But why do they use big business as the vehicle? It's because whatever they can't get through the front door, through the courts, through the legislatures, they get through the back door, through corporate America, to affect business culture, which then permeates the rest of American culture. Some examples. Congress has never ratified the Paris agreements, have they? That's fine. We'll just ask businesses to unilaterally comply with those mandates. Liberals are certainly upset at the Dobbs decision, aren't they, in states that are now passing pro-life legislation? That's okay, we'll just mandate that companies pay for, and in some cases financially incentivize women, can I say women, to fly to anti-life states and have abortions. It's unconstitutional for Congress to mandate affirmative action for corporate boards, right, or C-suites? Even California has failed at the courts to get their affirmative action uh, board proposals through. That's okay, shareholder activists simply demand that companies adopt these racist and sexist policies. You get my point, and this happens on issue after issue. But no matter how you define ESG, it marks a paradigm shift where corporations are now responsible to stakeholders, not shareholders. Before we can get into what can be done about this, there's a few positive thoughts I want you to keep in mind. If you slice Americana into cultural lanes, business is the most recent we've lost. So logically, temporally, it should be the easiest to win back. Finally, if the left has figured out how to influence corporate decision making, shouldn't we be able to do the same? Or better yet, shouldn't we be able to get companies back to neutral and out of the cultural battles altogether? So where are we with corporate America right now? From life issues to the Second Amendment to immigration to marriage to debanking and deplatforming conservatives, many of America's leading corporations are now steadily aligned with the political left. Last spring, hundreds of companies came out against voting reform measures in Georgia and elsewhere. Right now, hundreds of companies have signed up with the Human Rights Campaign to support the Equality Act. So too as the Chamber of Commerce, Nam, and the Business Roundtable. Think about that. This would end federal religious freedom protection and cancel women full stop. So let's boycott them all, right? Wrong. Why? Because the history of conservative boycotts, I hate to tell you, is an epic failure. And practically, there's no way to boycott your way out of this problem. We'd have to return to the days of hunter-gatherers, make our own clothes and shelter. Or we can join St. Simeon sitting up on his pole, but it was my understanding he didn't like company. So can we please stop saying go woke, go broke? It's premised on a lie that we conservatives have been so good at boycotting companies that they've come to heal and apologize to us. It's just not true. And don't talk to me about, you know, the Oscar ratings. Hollywood's been woke for 75 years. Movies just stink now. Now, I'm not here to rail against business American free market capitalism is the greatest economic system ever implemented by man, but wokeness is a cancer, so we ought to try and kill the cancer while we save the host. So to figure out what we must do to stop this march to the left, we need to ask a few basic questions. How does the left influence corporate action and why? Let me start with the why. The left uses corporate activism so well because it realizes three key things. First, corporations are much more amenable to pressure than most of our politicians. Second, corporations can move more quickly than the political, legislative, or legal process to affect change. And third, corporations can have an immediate economic impact on a targeted region. In other words, you don't need to change the law to change the culture. So the second question, how? How do they do it? In a word, engagement. Instead of taking your voice out of the discussion, let's engage like the left does. Let's take the issue of voter integrity last spring in Georgia. If we all stayed silent on the issue, whose voice is left in the room? Stacey Abrams. This lady has a big enough microphone already. Let's not give her a megaphone, okay, folks? One way the left engages is through shareholder votes. Thousands of votes are cast each year that have a dramatic effect on our collective culture. They take place at annual shareholder meetings. These votes are for board members, management proposals, and shareholder proposals. And there are dozens of liberal groups that represent billions of dollars in assets that annually dedicate significant resources to filing these resolutions. And while we can have a healthy debate in this room and others about whether the 2020 presidential election was rigged, there is absolutely no doubt that the left has rigged the corporate proxy vote. Two firms, ISS and Glass-Lewis, control more than 95% of the market for proxy advisory services, and they are dominated by extreme leftists. Many fund managers robo-vote with ISS and Glass-Lewis' recommendations. This means, and this is important, it's very likely if you own shares in publicly traded companies through a mutual fund or other vessel like that, your values are being voted against your own beliefs thousands of times a year. In 2018, ESG shareholder proposals received record support. They broke them again in 2019, 2020, and 2021. Now this year, thankfully, some of the e-resolutions, because they've gotten so crazy, are starting to tick down a little bit, but the S&G resolutions are again about to set records. So what exactly are we doing in this room to fix the rigged proxy vote? Precious little from my perspective, although Andy's working on some good stuff there. And it's not just your personal investments. As Alex pointed out, red state pensions are voting against the value of their pension holders all the time. The climate change dissidents on Exxon's board are just one example. What else have they voted for? Racial equity audits at companies like Apple. In 2020, many of them voted for a shareholder proposal on Chevron's ballot that told the company it had to align its policies with the Paris Climate Accord. And last year, they voted to have Chevron cut its Scope 3 emissions. Without getting too far into it, it holds Chevron accountable for cutting the emissions of every single upstream and downstream partner of the company. So why are shareholder votes important? Other than I hope the obvious that we've just stated, they move the cultural needle. I like to say what the activists are demanding today will become mainstream in three or four years if we don't do something about it. Here's one good illustration. A couple of years ago, it was groups like As You Sow and the SEIU with the support of Jesse Jackson that were filing shareholder resolutions demanding affirmative action for boards of directors. Fast forward to the end of 2020. That's when Goldman Sachs said they would no longer finance your IPO unless your board was sufficiently diverse. And that's when the NASDAQ put forward a rule through the Securities and Exchange Commission saying that they are going to delist you. That is kick you off the NASDAQ unless you have two diverse board seats. So the agent of change in three to four years goes from the SEIU and Jesse Jackson to Goldman Sachs and NASDAQ. That's why shareholder proposals are important. So what are they asking for these days? They're calling on companies to stop donating to pro-life politicians asking for boards to include set-asides for union members. I don't know about you, but I don't want the SEIU making decisions for corporate policy. They're calling for all manner of critical race theory trainings, racial equity audits, and telling companies to move out of pro-life states. And while ISS and Glass-Lewis deserve much of this blame, there's another reason so many individuals and organizations are voting the wrong way. In a word, BlackRock. BlackRock is the largest asset manager in the world with $10 trillion under management. And if you guys are in this room, I'm guessing you all know Larry Fink a little bit at least. But here's something you may not know about Mr. Fink. He wasn't always woke, or at least he didn't operate BlackRock in such a manner. It wasn't until 2018, once they had become the world's largest asset manager, that they pulled a bait and switch. That's the year he wrote his annual letter to CEOs saying that they were going to get much more aggressive in voting their proxy ballots. As an aside, this is how lots of businesses operate, right? Google didn't start woke, they just built the best algorithm, and once they had everybody on their platform, that's when they used it to shadow ban conservatives. Same thing with Facebook and Twitter, they just built the best social media sites. Then they used the power, it's a bait and switch. So in 2018, what did Fink do? He explained that the company was going to get super aggressive in voting their proxy ballots specifically related to the E of ESG. While liberal activists cheered the move, year after year they continued to complain that BlackRock isn't doing enough. So in 2020, BlackRock upped the ante. They voted against 5,400 board members because they weren't taking enough action in Fink's view on climate change. But that wasn't enough. So at the end of that year, a group of Democrat senators sent a letter to BlackRock saying you're not living up to your public commitment on climate action. So last year, BlackRock voted for 47% of ESG resolutions, 47%. And again, I mentioned this year they're ticking down a little bit because even some of the environmentalists have gotten even too crazy for Fink. But they're backing more S proposals than they ever have. I want to talk about the racial equity audit proposals for just a second. These are clear mandates to hire and promote based on affirmative action, not merit, full stop. They passed this year at numerous companies over the objection of the boards of Apple, Home Depot, Maximus, Johnson and Johnson, and many others. One company that barely defeated the resolution was Travelers. They're an insurance company. The resolution told Travelers to tie its underwriting to race. This violates every state law. You cannot underwrite as an insurance company based on race. But BlackRock and State Street funds voted to tell travelers to break the law? That's how crazy ESG has gotten. So right now in America, 250 years after we declared independence from the British, we we're battling a new monarchy. If you add State Street and Vanguard to BlackRock, they can $20 trillion in assets under management. That's approximately the GDP of the United States of America. So one of the last century's problems was the separation of ownership and control right? That is, the boards and management control the company, but they're owned by shareholders. Fiduciary law stepped up to solve that problem to make sure that management was acting as proper stewards for the shareholders. But right now, we have a different problem, and that's the separation of ownership and ownership. That Texas pension fund holder who has their money in the Texas pension, who then gives the money to BlackRock and votes against their values, fiduciary law doesn't solve that problem. That's why we at Strive, we plan to engage and vote, and we don't plan to do it in silence. Last week, we sent a public letter to Chevron. We told them to stop listening to their shareholders, BlackRock and State Street, and get back to business. Not too long ago, American energy companies were among the most capitalized in the world. Now it's American tech companies and Saudi Aramco. But there's every reason to think in the current environment that Chevron, Exxon, and US energy companies can ascend once again. But to do so, they have to shake off the shackles of ESG and drill why have we chosen engagement over divestment first let me say there's room for both paths i understand that those you know of faith may want to may not want to put their money uh, with companies that offend their values but i would ask this question when has that strategy ever changed the hearts and minds of a company's leadership in a way that caused them to alter their offending behavior and when you can't come up with a single answer that's why we at at strive are choosing to engage what needs to happen for us to win, to get companies back to neutral. Two things, capital needs to move, and behavior needs to change. We at Strive stand ready with plans and visions for those who are willing to join forces to counter corporate America's march to the left, but this isn't gonna be easy. We need joyful servants willing to approximate the left's army. In the crisis, Thomas Paine made clear that certain struggles require high costs. He wrote, quote, heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article of freedom should not be highly rated. I'm willing to pay such a price, and I hope you'll join me in the battle. Thank you.